episode 75 of the Real Food Mamas podcast. I'm Stephanie Gorinke, a registered dietitian who's passionate about helping women rock their pregnancy and postpartum. I'm a mother of two active boys and the co-creator of Whole30's Healthy Mama Happy Baby program. You can read my weekly blogs and learn more about my online pregnancy program, Healthy Mama Happy Baby, at mamas.whole30.com. I also work with clients virtually through my private practice, rockyourhormones.com. You can follow me on Instagram at rockyourhormones, where I share my favorite ingredient meals and helpful resources for mamas and mamas-to-be. And my lovely, busy co-host, Dr. Ilana Romel, is a naturopathic doctor, founder of Nourish Medical Center, and most importantly, a mama herself. With a passion for pediatrics, she created the Nourish Kids Medicine Kit so busy mamas can now feel empowered to help their kids feel better fast. To learn more about her Nourish Kids Medicine Kit and her favorite pediatric natural remedies, visit nourishmykids.com. You can follow her and her wellness team by subscribing to her video blog, Nourish TV, or follow her on Instagram at Dr. Ilana Romel, where she shares her efficient mama ways. On today's episode, we interview Ariana Tabata, a maternal health consultant who works with experienced entrepreneurs who are becoming first-time mothers, helping them customize their maternity leave and returning back to work. She is deeply committed to providing ongoing, multifaceted support that meets the professional, physical, mental, social, and emotional needs of entrepreneurs as they baby-proof their business and navigate new motherhood. Prior to her consulting practice, Ariana worked on maternal health issues for over a decade as a health educator, a social worker in a mental health clinic, a reproductive health researcher, and a yoga therapist. She draws from her expertise as a maternal health professional, combined with her experience as a business owner and mother to provide highly personalized services so expecting entrepreneurs have the tools and information they need to make decisions and take action when it comes to balancing their business with a new baby. On this episode, you'll learn what a maternal health consultant does and how they can help you develop a solid game plan for work-life balance postpartum, challenges working moms experience after having their baby, and strategies for overcoming them. You'll also learn the importance of transition time when balancing a business and new baby, tips for navigating the demands of motherhood and work, what to do if you decide being a stay-at-home mom just isn't for you, and so much more. So let's get right into the interview and welcome Ariana to our show. Welcome to the show, Ariana. We are so lucky to have you here with us today. Thanks, Stephanie. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, we have lots of questions. We have five that we want to get to and then a couple of bonus questions. So before we get into the questions, would you mind sharing your story, a little bit about who you are, your family, and what your postpartum was like? Sure thing. So it's like start start with diving into yeah, let's <laughs> to get all to know those you. juicy things. Um, so I am uh, I'm a mom uh, to a 20 month old at the time of this recording. Um, I also am someone who just went through kind of a major a major shift in my personal and family life. We, my partner and I, had been uh, living in Mexico for the past five years and about eight months ago decided to move to the U.S. So we are kind of in in the thick of transition in terms of new country, new home, new um, roles. My husband is right now a, a full-time stay-at-home dad and I'm a full-time working mom. Um, 
and of all the all the things that come with major life transitions. Um, and so this is really, I think, the one of the main transitions that we've had as a family since uh, my son was born. And of course, that was a transition time in and of itself um, in terms of what my postpartum was like. Um, I like maybe some of you listening, maybe you, Stephanie, I'm, I'm a planner by nature. So because I'm a maternal health researcher by training and work as a maternal health consultant, I was kind of thinking about all the things that could possibly go wrong postpartum and trying to plan for, for all the things, right? So I um, took myself through a process that I use in my own work, um, both in terms of maternity leave planning and thinking about as a self-employed person, what I would need to do for my business, but also as a new mom and all of the things that that we know about um, postpartum health and um, nutrition and social support uh, and kind of psychological transitions into motherhood. Uh, and I tried to organize my postpartum support network and team to think about all of all of the, those different facets of postpartum and, and new motherhood. So at the end of the day, it felt very supported, but it was a lot of work <laughs> on the front end during pregnancy um, to, to end up having that postpartum experience of really feeling like I had I had the support I needed, which I know is is not always the case. <laughs> and how did you know that you would need that support? Did you have friends that you saw suffer in their postpartum or did you just understand what kind of challenges were going to be presented to you? Because I know a lot of moms will go into their postpartum kind of thinking, all right, sleep might be an issue and I might have to plan for my maternity leave. But how did you find that you needed to put all this up in place? Sure. So I have worked, a lot of it came from my professional background. So I've worked in kind of reproductive health uh, and women's health broadly since 2002 and uh, specialized, ended up specializing in postpartum health. Um, I'm a social worker by training and then have a master's of science in maternal and child health and all of my clinical practice, uh, research practice. Um, I've worked, you know, in, in clinical settings, but also as a researcher and, and right now in private practice. Uh, so those, those years of really serving one-on-one -on -one, uh, women who were in the thick of postpartum transitions mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, taught me a lot about, uh, about what that could look like. And of course, the many variations of what postpartum can look like. So I was thinking through all of the different ways that it might look and tried to think about what would be the, the foundation of, of a positive postpartum experience, not knowing, of course, exactly what would be my scenario, but knowing enough from serving women over the years to know that it was worth planning to be well supported. I love it. So what did that planning look like? What did you organize and have ready? Sure. So I, um, I used a tool that in social work is called an eco map. Um, and this is something that I, I mentioned, I, I have a, a whole workbook around it. So I'm happy to drop that in the show notes if it would be of interest to, to folks listening. And it's a process that literally allows you to draw out and map out your support networks and where you have strong support and where you might have weaker, um, weaker ties or weaker, um, 
relationships that might need to be built up and and become more robust. And so it it takes you through kind of the family level, the community level, and also the professional support level. So I went through that, um, and I was I was in Mexico at the time, and so I had. Um, a pretty strong professional support network of my midwife, her assistants. Um, I was working with an Ayurvedic um, postpartum specialist at the time, uh, an Ayurvedic uh, doctor. And, and so I was really focused on what felt to me like the places that I didn't have a whole lot of support. Um, I didn't have immediate family in the area. And because I worked remotely, I didn't have a whole lot of work friends or just in real life friends. I had a lot of internet friends, right? For <laughs> <laughs> friends from um, just different phases of life that were not living in the same city as I was. So I tried to think through um, who were like local friends that I, local community networks that I could tap into. And so I found a local moms group. Um, I'd looked into uh, a local birthing center that just had activities um, where new moms and new babies could gather. Um, I also did a lot of thinking about feeding myself and other kind of routine, basic day-to-day things. So I organized a meal train um, which was fantastic. And I also um, asked my mother-in-law to come and help us cook. Um, so she actually came for five weeks postpartum and basically like cooked and did did a lot of the things that otherwise I would be doing. So like the daily, just daily cleanup and helping with laundry and all the things that I wanted to to create a little buffer around so that I wouldn't have to be doing those things while trying to learn how to breastfeed and recovering from birth and all of those (laughs) fun postpartum things. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like you took things into your own hands. I know it can be hard to ask for help, right? And, but it sounded like you, you said you created your own meal train. I did. So I used like the, literally the, the meal train, um, website, which makes it really easy to set up kind of, uh, you know, any preferred foods or dietary restrictions. I was following a traditional Ayurvedic postpartum um, diet. Um, so nothing, nothing raw, nothing crunchy, nothing cold, um, just warming, well-cooked foods. And Ayurveda for postpartum recommends on, on the sweeter side. Um, so that was fun. I was like, yay, almond croissants all day, every day, <laughs> postpartum. <laughs> Um, and, and then I sent out the link to local friends and for the first, uh, about two weeks, um, friends would just drop by with, with homemade dishes, which was great. Yeah. I think that's a point that I just wanted to reiterate because yeah, you might have somebody that will set up a meal train for you, but it's totally okay if you don't and you want to set up one for yourself. And it's also okay to specify what you do and do not want to eat. I know there are some moms that are they want to be gluten and dairy free or whatever it is, but they're afraid to list that because they don't want to add that extra inconvenience to their friends and family that are cooking for them. But your friends and family want to do what's going to be best for you and they want to share their the meals with you. And so go ahead and give them the guidelines. And if you think that they might be confused about how to create these meals, give them you know ideas of some of your favorite meals linked to recipes or cookbooks that you like. Yeah, I love that idea, Stephanie. And I mean, like you said, everyone wants to be helpful. And I think it's 
it's the challenge of figuring out what other people do that maybe they think is helpful, Mm -hmm. uh, but what aligns with what we would actually find helpful. So providing clear instructions and guidelines to make sure that that the help that others provide actually feels helpful to us is important. (laughs) Right. So let's get into your job as a maternal health consultant. So can you tell our listeners what that is and how did your journey lead you to becoming one? Sure. So uh, I, as a maternal health consultant, work with women during pregnancy to specifically plan for maternity leave and postpartum. Um, And I I tend to do that with women who are business owners, self-employed, entrepreneurs who don't have a maternity leave structure that's provided to them by a a workplace, per se. Um, And I got into the work, as I mentioned, I've been in the world of, of women's health and maternal health for several years, but I got into the work pretty early on in my private practice. And at first, my private practice was much broader. I was, you know, working with women before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and right after pregnancy. But what I started to notice after, after working with women who tended to always come back in crisis during the postpartum period (laughs) was that if we could do a better job, if I could do a better job of helping women plan and think through postpartum um, and all that that entails, both the the kind of personal, um, you know, everything from physiological recovery to psychosocial and emotional aspects of postpartum to the professional piece of postpartum and returning to work, that if we could plan on the front end during pregnancy and think through what would be helpful on a case-by-case individual basis, then it allowed me to see how women weren't falling into crisis mode during postpartum. So I shifted my services to really focus on planning during pregnancy for that maternity leave and postpartum period. And it's been fabulous to just be able to focus in on that. You know, I had no idea before I was introduced to you that that kind of career existed. And I think it's brilliant because, sure, we have life coaches and business coaches that are out there. And some of them have families or understand some of the challenges that working moms and new moms experience, but you as a mom yourself, you as somebody who has professionally worked in the field for a really long time, who completely gets it, can provide a whole different type of service to a mom that is, you know, very vulnerable, right? Like the the decisions that you make about work aren't ones that are always black and white. There's a lot of gray areas and a lot of challenges that you wouldn't think about outside of motherhood. And there's also the option to change your mind at any time if it doesn't feel right. (laughs) Whereas in other situations with life or business coaches, you say you're going to do something and you commit to it. There has to be that grace and flexibility when you're a new mom and you don't know how it's going to go. So I am very thankful now that I know that you exist that I have someone to direct my moms to. 
Oh, well, <laughs> that's that's always fun to hear, Stephanie. Like I I never knew what you did was you know no, was an actual thing. <laughs> no, I didn't. I think it's um, I think it's so needed. And man, I wish I knew you existed when I was going into my postpartum because I have struggled with who am I and what do I want to do. And you know, it's every other week I change my mind on if I want to go full time or part time or just throw my hands up and let it go. So maybe we'll talk after the call. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's really the, you're getting to the heart of what comes up so often and what I work on and in what I provide clients with is, is really thinking about strategic planning with the underlying principle of knowing that change is the only constant and learning how to go with those small shifts and pivots is a, is a skill that you can learn. Yeah. Yep. And it's funny because and you probably get this too. You have moms that come to you like, how do you know that you seem so clear that this is exactly what you want and you're so happy in your business? And I think we all have those days or weeks where we just don't know and we just kind of keep going and <laughs> you see what happens. But yeah, it's I've talked to so many working moms that they're not sure if this is right for them and so many stay-at-home moms that they're not sure that it's right for them and um, so someone like you that can help guide them with, all right, like here are the pros and cons of each decision and let's talk about them and walk through them and make sure that you are happy where you're at because it's very uncomfortable when you're not sure where you should be, right? Agreed. Especially if you're use, if you're one of those people who like used to be all in, right? You yeah. make a decision and you're like, yes you know, hit the ground running, go with it. Don't give up until you reach what you said you were going to do. It can be hard to feel like you're no longer that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So besides that, what other challenges do you commonly see with moms that are navigating this going back to work scenario? Sure. I mean, I think that for both women who are in maybe typical workplace environments where you get a set amount of time for your leave, um, as well as entrepreneurs who have kind of, you know, the sky's the limit and really no structure or roadmap for what your leave can look like. Um, it's, it's the challenge of what, what does the transition back to work, um, mean and how can I make it a positive experience? Because either either one of those scenarios, um, it's it's never easy, right? And so that is something that I um, address specifically through what I call kind of transition time and a period when returning to work can be um, an experiment of sorts in what is working for you and what is not working for you and adjusting, uh, adjusting as needed. So it's really a time I frame like minimum two weeks of when you first go back to work, thinking of that time as, as really a period where you can assess and approach things with, um, a spirit of curiosity about what feels like it's going well and what will you need to change. Um, and if you're in, a work environment where you are not working for yourself, um, where you're working for an organization or a company, being being able to have those conversations about what's working and not working with your colleagues, with your supervisor, as well as you know your direct reports. And if you're in a uh, environment where you're running your own business or you're 
the boss and supervising a small team. Um, again, having those communication lines open about what needs to change to make sure that you can have a positive experience in your transition back to work. Okay, so during these two weeks, you're just kind of finding some of the the struggles that you're experiencing and figuring out strategies to overcome them. So maybe do you see things like pumping if mom's breastfeeding or getting to work on time or needing to leave early? Or what are some of these challenges that you see needing to be moderated during the transition time? Yeah, so everything from kind of what you mentioned around pumping logistics, right? Mm -hmm. Pumping schedules, um, Mm -hmm. childcare situations. I also really encourage a a reframe from like the zero to 40. So if possible, instead of going from being 100% on maternity leave one day to back at work full time the next day, allowing yourself to gradually build up hours. Um, So starting off with some part-time hours and gently and slowly um, after you've practiced those, those kind of routine scheduling things, pumping childcare drop-off, um, you know, organizing your, your day-to-day, um, then adding more, bow- more hours back in so that you can start off with a slightly less um, kind of drastic transition, right? It can be, it can feel really polar opposite to go from full-time taking care of a newborn to all of a sudden being back in, in your work mode. Yeah. So what do you, what do you tell moms that they have decided to go back to work and they're in this two week transition period of time and they're finding that they don't like it. They're trying to figure out strategies to make it work, but they're really not liking it. Do you tell them to stick with it? Do you tell them to quit? What are, what are you, what do you tell moms? I know it's going to be totally different, but I'm just looking for like some general. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is that I like to always reassure people that, that it's not a particularly fun experience. So I, I have never had in my, in my years of working with women, anyone who's like, Oh, this is a fantastic transition back. Everything's going perfectly as planned. Like, nope. <laughs> um, there's, it's usually something, there's like varied degrees of how right it's feeling or how wrong it's feeling, but it's usually challenging for everyone. And so just acknowledging that if it's hard, that you, it's not you, that it is the experience um, and it is the situation. Um, and it's totally normal for it to feel really hard and challenging. Um, and so to, to A, seek out those people who can be your pillars of support. So whether that's someone from work or a family member or a professional support person um, who you're working with, making sure that you have someone to process what you're experiencing with. Um, sometimes that can be a great spouse, um, but making sure that you have the space to talk about what is not feeling right and process and, and run through the decisions and options that you have, um, as opposed to just internally feeling like this is going terribly and, you know, starting to, to do what we do as humans and create a whole narrative and story around what that means for me. Am I a bad, you know, am I destined to have my career totally (laughs) doomed? Am I destined to be a full-time mom? What if I don't like being a full-time mom? (laughs) Um, You know, we begin to just, our mind runs into all these stories. And so as, 
as a kind of preventative measure from just downward spiraling and creating a narrative in our mind that may or may not be true, pausing and having a support system to be able to talk through what it is you're experiencing is the very first thing that I, that I recommend. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that it's hard for everybody because for example, when you drop your baby off at daycare for the first time, they're probably going to cry. They might even cry for the first week or the full two weeks, or they might cry for a couple months when you drop them off. And that transition for them is really hard, too. One thing that I also have done with my kids when I started back to work was just started them in daycare for a couple of hours at a time. So just like me starting work just a couple of hours at a time, it was for them, too. So they didn't have to go zero, you know, from zero hours being with mom complete zero hours away being with mom completely to 40 hours a week if that's an option for you right like we don't all have that option but if you can have that two week transition period where you're going slowly into this new lifestyle for both of you that can really help yeah and i mean i really use that two week transition time as like a minimum two weeks yeah i was wondering I, that I, mean, I can share a little bit about what i did sure i'd love I that i ended up extending. I mean, I had a transition time back to, I went from eight hours of childcare at the beginning to about 35 hours. And that was over the course of eight months. It took me eight months to build back up. So my transition time was much more than two weeks. Um, Again, I was in a situation where I am self-employed and had set up and planned for a longer transition period back and so had kind of the financial projections and had gotten cash flow worked out to be able to do that and and it I'm glad that I was able to extend that transition period um because I ended up really needing to move slowly <laughs> and did you think that you would need to move slowly or did that was that something unexpected that happened when baby arrived I thought I would take about half as long and I had planned to be back to those 35 hours a week um, when my kid was about four months. I was like, oh yeah, I'll definitely, um, you know, go, I'll, I'll take a few weeks to go from eight hours one week um, and then, you know, 12 hours the next week and then 20 hours the next week and, and it just moved about a quarter as, <laughs> as fast as I thought it would um, because I, you know, I was still sleep deprived. I was still um, breastfeeding. I was doing all of these things that required a lot of mental and physical energy that I found um, I had to, I couldn't do it all. I couldn't do those things and do, you know, my, my work as usual. I had to cut down a little on, on the mental energy that went into work in order to to redirect some of that to the work of being a mom. <laughs> yeah. And how did you feel about that? Were, were you totally okay with that decision or did you beat yourself up about it? Or how did you kind of walk through that? Because I bet it was a mixed feeling of you wanting to go, 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 but feeling like you were a little bit held back in some areas. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Right <laughs> I was I was right there um, too, so <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and I think it was it 
so in hindsight, of course, now I'm like, it wasn't that bad in the moment. It was hard. Just every, every decision, every day, every, um, every figuring out what I was going to do about work and home life felt like a tough decision. One thing that I would say prepared me for the toughness of, of those, um, really the first year postpartum was that I had a pretty rough um, pregnancy. So the first four months of my pregnancy, I was just pretty much sitting next to my toilet. (laughs) Um, And so I experienced a lot of um, kind of feelings of grief and mourning the, the independent and high performing and productive professional that I was, I experienced the loss of that almost during pregnancy. Um, And so it taught me a lot. Um, It was hard for sure, but it taught me a lot about what it would mean to have a postpartum experience where I wasn't in control and I wasn't able to really maybe I, maybe I wouldn't be able to, to achieve things in the same time frame or as quickly as I previously would have. Um, so I was able to practice the mindset of being really compassionate with myself and reminding myself that it is a season of life, that it's, that requires being slower. Um, and just for my, for things, for how things were, personally for me that required um, a lot of not doing, um, which for someone who is used to, to doing, doing, doing was challenging. But I think that experience during pregnancy really set me up to be able to not freak out when that happened again postpartum. <laughs> yeah, like our kids can be our greatest teachers, can't they? They really teach you how to slow exactly. down and to rearrange things and be flexible. Agreed. Yeah. So, okay. So wanted to get into a couple of these questions because I know our, many of our listeners are curious. So if a mom has a decision to, if a mom has the option to make the decision to go back to work, right? We know that some moms really don't have as much leeway in that decision. Um, how do you help them decide if going back to work or not is the right choice for them? Right. So this is such an interesting question because it's it's a question about individual choice. But as you alluded to, it is it's really a question that is so impacted by our our social structure and our social inequities, I'll add. And so choice, I'm you know saying choice kind of with with air quotes, um, knowing that it can, it cannot feel like you really have a choice. So for someone who maybe has the financial ability to think about, um, if they are going to work in the home or work out of the home, um, I always love starting with, 
um, thinking about the decision as like a for this period of time. Um, because if we're just making the decision like, do I go back to work or do I stay home? It can feel like that decision is going to be a forever decision. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to, you know, I'm forever going to be here at home with my child or I'm forever going to be in a workplace away from my child. Um, when really, again, we can think of it as a seasonal thing that can, um, a plan that you can set into motion, knowing that it can change when you feel like it needs to change. Um, So again, thinking about, well, for the next X amount of months or X amount of years. Um, And so that can be a really nice way to frame decision making in a in a manner that feels like it's uh, like it's a choice for the short term or immediate future. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I love that. Because you're right, it it is going to change as your baby gets older and as your baby maybe starts to wean and as your baby becomes more comfortable with the world, your work, like your work choices can definitely vary. I know for myself too, until, you know, Otto or Otto and Leo both started nursing less, it made sense for me to spend more time with them at home. And, And I could make that choice luckily, but um, as I got older, then I can start working a little bit more and I feel more comfortable with that decision. So I couldn't just say I'm done working or I'm going to keep working uh, right when they were born. It had to be a month by month or like you said, a seasonal decision. Yeah. And I mean, one example I can give of, again, this is within the framework of flexibility of someone who is self-employed, but who who really wanted to exclusively nurse, did not want to pump um, for various reasons and was committed to extended breastfeeding. And so they decided that for the first year, they would only work in kind of two and a half to three hour increments. That's what I did. Um, This is someone who did in-person work. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly. So um, again, this is a situation where you're self-employed, that person was self-employed. and so you're able to set up your work hours and work commitments in a way that aligns with what your what your family commitments and what your kind of mom baby commitments are. Um, so figuring out even if you're in a work environment, a, a kind of more typical work environment, figuring out what flexibility um, is possible within that, uh, because if it's the if it's a flex, if it's a point of flexibility that is going to make you a more productive, happy mom and professional, then there really isn't a downside to it. Yeah, and I've even had some moms that were working in the corporate world that they were able to work something out with their bosses that they would work from home remotely during the first mm-hmm. couple of months, and then as things got a little bit. I shouldn't say easier because it doesn't really ever get easier. It just gets different. But as things changed <laughs> and the season changed, they were able to transition back to going to work, like into work a couple days a week. So there's always options. It's just being creative. I posted something on my Instagram profile today about resourcefulness leading to more resources. And sometimes the choices that you have are hard or you feel like there isn't a whole lot of options for you. 
But if you're a little bit creative and you ask the right questions and you have supportive people in your life, you can make things happen and you create the life and work situation that you want. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I always like to to remind both myself and clients of is at the end of the day, like there, there, um, there isn't a way to change the future if we don't start with what can change right here, right now. And so thinking about what do I need to do to be, to be not just okay in the present moment, but what do I need to do to be able to be functioning and healthy and able to to meet the demands of my roles you know it's usually you're we're not just a mom we are a partner daughter professional um, and thinking about what uh, what are the different factors that influence your well-being knowing that your long-term ability to contribute to workplace, to your family um, is going to be based on what you do in the short term to be able to ensure that you are healthy now and in the future. (laughs) Yeah. And for some moms, that is working full-time. I've talked to many moms who they said that they'd go crazy if they weren't working full-time because they need that time away from their family and they love their careers and they love that um, side of them. And so it, it really depends on the person, like you said. And then I want to get to this question, too, because there are some moms that have chosen to stay home with their baby, but now they're starting to feel antsy to get back to work or they're scared about what it's going to be like for their baby if they go back to work. So they're starting to feel resentful about staying at home and about leaving their careers, but they kind of feel stuck and they're not sure what the best decision is. So I'm sure you've talked to these moms too. So what are some of the things that you discuss with them? Sure. So, (laughs) I mean, I go back to what you heard me just talk about with myself um, when I was kind of experiencing just a, a transition and thinking about how can I approach this with a spirit of curiosity and a lot of compassion Um, because we can, when we're in that place, we can feel so stuck. Um, And so starting from a place of really holding space for and acknowledging the, the feelings that are arising and then thinking about, okay, if I know that what I'm feeling right now is not what I want to feel um, in moving forward, then can we lay out some possible scenarios? And that might include scenarios that are kind of in between the, you know, zero and 40. So if you don't want to be at home full-time anymore, but you also are not sure that you want to be back in a full-time situation, what are the in-between scenarios? And there's usually a handful of them. Um, But it, it requires sometimes having some, having some other person to talk through it with, because when, you know, when we're in the thick of it, we are in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard to see beyond what our own limitations are. Um, so really having, I mean, it goes back to the two things I mentioned before, A, having someone to talk things over with and process with, um, and B, figuring out what are what are the alternatives? Um, because there's usually more than just two options. 
Yeah. And, you know, I talked about this on another podcast and I just think it needs to keep getting brought up because there is a lot of hate with things like MLM companies. And, you know, what I'm talking about like Beachbody and people get really annoyed about that. But I and I'm I was there, too. I was kind of annoyed in the beginning. But as I started to think about it, I think that kind of thing can be so helpful for moms that they want to be at home, but they want to have that creative side or that um, professionalism with the flexibility. And so I just want to caution people, like if you are sitting there rolling your eyes at everybody selling a shake or a workout or a makeup (laughs) brand, like I personally um, sell Beauty Counter. And that was after years of like me saying, no, I'm never going to do that. Um, But you know, having something where you can have that playtime and that creative time, and it may not be work, it may be that you're volunteering somewhere, or you are watching somebody else's kids. Like I know a couple of moms who they're like, well, I'm going to be home with my kids. So why don't I start an in-home daycare or nanny or something like that? Uh, There's lots of options for you. So yeah, definitely talk to somebody because like Ariana said, well, you can't think straight when you are in the thick of it. And just like we talk about not being your own doctor and not being your own therapist, you don't want to be your own, you know, career counselor as well when you just are feeling <laughs> in that stuck situation and everything feels so heavy. So talking to somebody that has that um, experience working with other moms and knows what some options could be for you and can dig deep into your personal contacts can be really refreshing and can leave you feeling like you're back in control. Yeah. And I'll, I'll piggyback on that and add that whatever, whatever you find, that feels like, you know, the, the work or hobby that you want to spend time in, like making sure that it's something that you're passionate about and really that lights you up, that fills your cup so that when you are making the decision to, to invest your time, um, and, you know, maybe initially resources and building up that, that business or that, um, that endeavor that you, that you don't, um, that you know that it's something worth spending your time on um, because there's nothing worse than feeling like, oh man, I just, you know, took time away from my baby to do this thing that I feel kind of mediocre about, like making yeah. sure that it's something that you really enjoy um, so that you can enjoy that time um, spent building something that you're passionate about. Yeah. And then knowing that you can always quit right? You can always say no. If something doesn't end up feeling right, or if you're at your career and you're just hating it, you can always, you know, quit. And yes, you might have to find a different job because of financial reasons, but you're never, you're never actually stuck. There's always something that you can do to change your situation with a little bit of creativity and maybe the help of a counselor like Ariana. We're definitely on the same page in terms of change what's not working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I probably wouldn't be able to talk about it like this if I didn't have my husband. I'm 100% serious. He is like one of the best teachers in my life besides my kids about being flexible. Uh, But my husband's a Marine and he, you know, I'll come to him complaining about something like, oh, I just, I don't know what to do about this. And oh, this is hard. And he's like, all right, well, what can you do? And he's so straightforward and like he, you know, he doesn't really empathize with me or like, you know, you do with your clients, you sit down and you 
understand the struggle. He's like, all right, well, stop complaining. Like, what do you want to do about it? And I kind of need that sometimes because, yeah, you know, you can talk to your girlfriends or your community and vent and they get it and they can be that side for you. But you also need that action, right? (laughs) You need to do something. Exactly. Yeah, we need we need the tough love. (laughs) You do need the tough love. That's for sure. All right. So. This is a this could be a really long question, like you talked about. But um, do we want to end with maybe your top three tips for women coming into the postpartum phase of their life and deciding how to structure their new motherhood as a working mom? Or maybe three top tips for work-life balance. And I put balance in quotes. So I'll let you take it wherever you want to go. Because um, I know if we go with the original yeah. question of top three <laughs> tips for baby-proofing your business, that could be another hour. So top three tips for the work-life balance or top three tips for planning for your maternity leave. Yeah, let's go with the top three tips for planning for maternity leave and and I'll broaden it to planning for postpartum. So however your maternity leave might might look, um, these tips can definitely be applicable for, for postpartum. So I would say first tip is to really carefully identify who your support pillars are and who you do not want support from. So this might be people who make your life stressful. Um, so making sure you identify who it is, who is it in your life that really is going to be helpful d- during postpartum and who is not going to be helpful and then set out clear boundaries and roles for them. Um, so the people that are going to be helpful, you know, invite them to do things um, like the meal train or like helping you, helping you, um, just navigate breastfeeding or something that that you know might be a challenge for you. Um, and with the people who aren't going to be so helpful, um, laying out clear boundaries for, you know, if you're not having any visitors two weeks postpartum, letting them know that. Um, so that's the first tip is identifying who's who and, and what each of their roles are going to be. Second tip is going to be to plan to do less or move slower than you might think you would otherwise need to be. Amen. (laughs) Um, So it's always, yeah, I find that it's always easier to, to realize that you could handle a little more and say, oh, wow, things are like, I'm feeling pretty good right now. And now I'd like to add more, add something else to my plate. Um, But the flip side, the the scenario where you think you can do it all and then you realize you're overwhelmed is not fun. So plan for doing less. Um, and third tip would be, um, and this is this is more into the maternity leave uh, planning camp, is to test out whatever systems, support, uh, roles that you're going to be delegating or outsourcing while you're on leave. Um, so if that's someone handling your email inbox, if that's someone um, responding to client calls, if that is um, just your your email autoresponder, it's testing out all those um, all the little nuts and bolts and systems that need to be working when you're out on leave to making sure that they actually do work. <laughs> Oh, that's so smart. I love it. Yeah, you know, even test, yeah, testing out a babysitter too before or a daycare situation is a really important tip. 
Definitely. All right. Well, so, uh, we can leave it at those three and, and I'm sure there's many more. So yeah, those, those are- listeners who you can hit us up on social media and let us know what your other tips would be. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I know we've got to let you go here. Um, but do you work with clients virtually or, or moms virtually or just in your, your current area? Yeah, I do work with uh, on kind of via Skype or Zoom, um, all the, the different virtual platforms. Um, I work with clients from all over the country and the world. I'm based out in the San Francisco Bay Area. So for those folks who are local, um, that's always fun to be able to meet in person with clients. Um, but I do both. Okay, perfect. And where can everybody find you? So my home on the internet is <laughs> just my first and last name, arianatabwada.com. It's not a particularly easy name to spell, so you might want to check out the show notes if you are um, if you're interested in in checking that out. And on my website is is a lot of the tips um, that we've been talking about, as well as that workbook I mentioned for planning out your postpartum support network. We'll drop that in the show notes as well. All right. Thank you so much for your time. This was great getting to know a little bit about you and learning about your career because I think it's so fascinating and and needed in this world. So thank you for for being you and for helping moms all over the world. Ah, Thank you for the great um, questions and being a great interviewer, Stephanie. This was fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. Please remember that the views on this podcast are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast to help us spread the real food word. We also invite you to visit our website, realfoodmamaspodcast.com, to find past episodes, leave comments, and ask questions for future shows. We'd love to hear from you. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture you and your family. 